a Highline podcast. This is Ravel, a roundtable show about the complexity of faith in the age of information. My name's Josh. I'm Stephen. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of American Christianity, and we still keep thinking about how to take it seriously, even as we leave some beliefs behind. We think theology should be an exploratory dialogue, so our hope is that this podcast will encourage growth, both for individuals and communities. We don't have all the answers, but we're here to sort out as much as we can over a drink or two. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. Howdy. Hi there. How goes it? Welcome to this time together. It goes good, friend. (laughs) I got to tell you, I feel I'm riding the high right now. Uh, My wife and I are closing on our house in three days. (gasps) And I got that J&J juice in me, fam. I got that vaccine. Nice. (gasps) Congrats. Oh, yay. Loving it. The one and done, right? Mm Mm-hmm. No second dose for me. Pfizer gang. Good for you. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> nice. Oh, how are you, Emily? I'm doing well. I'm riding off the high of Holy Week being done. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. How does that, that feel? That was a reality. Honestly, it's weird. Like I preached today, just like a normal Sunday, and I didn't know what to do with myself afterwards because I had nothing to plan. <laughs> no, no big urgent, uh, you know, rehearsals or anything. So it was good. We had almost a hundred people in worship. Wow. Like physically in the in the sanctuary. Wow, that's amazing. And there were kids and laughter, and it was wonderful. What is the church calendar time we are in now? We're technically, Lent is over. Um, Pentecost is going to start May 23rd. Um, The Ascension is May, I think it's May 21st, May 20th. So what's this period before Pentecost? Is it just ordinary time, or is it it Epiphany? Yeah. No, Epiphany is No, Epiphany is after Christmas. After Christmas. Goodness, I suck at this still, mm-hmm. but you know. So it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, there really isn't like an official, it's just after Easter. Like this was the it's second Easter Sunday time. of Easter. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, what are we drinking? What are we drinking this week? Uh, I've got a nice can of Rainier here just to chill out on this nice warm balmy day. Oh, there you go. Mm, I have adjectives. a can of Red Lodge uh, brewing Helio Hefeweizen. Is what I'm oh my about. gosh, that was so good. It is spectacular, mm. fam. Ice cold oh, beer. It's been so long since I've had a Red Lodge ale. It's, yeah, well, when you come back oh. this summer. When I come back. Yes. Oh, I think that's going to be the first beer I have once this baby is born. <laughs> yeah, we talked yes. about, we talked a few episodes about you just like open, like consuming an entire box of wine after the baby Yeah, comes. I'm going to be a lush. I've already determined. Like, Fantastic. I just need to binge it and get it done with. I am consuming a non-alcoholic beverage. I'm consuming a refreshing hibiscus caffeine-free tea. Mm. And it's very pink. It's very nice. It's very springy, very airy. It's very nice. So now that we all have our beverages, we are comfortable, we are recording. Um, I'm picking our topic. We kind of had a weird flip around uh, time where I had no idea what I wanted to talk about. So... Josh was kind enough to pick a topic for us. Swooped in, he did. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, in your defense, you were so preoccupied with the resurrection happening. That, that was a, so that was a big calendar thing. You yeah. had to plan that for that. That was a doozy. So now that that's done, and my brain is now no longer steamed and fried, uh, <laughs> I have been really intrigued with the idea of hearing God's voice. And this came about for several topics, actually. The first one was I'm a Netflix documentary junkie (laughs) and I'm a serial killer documentary junkie, (laughs) especially. And there were many episodes of this documentary that I was watching that it talked about the serial killers or whomever hearing God's voice and this idea of hearing demons, hearing angels, but some supernatural, some entity talking, hearing God's voice, hearing a voice and actually being able to interpret a literal voice being spoken. And 
I was moved with the idea after talking with my husband, who's a mental health professional, how in some realms it's completely normal for people to say, oh, I hear God's voice. No one bats an eye. But if you are mentally unstable, if you're clinically, you know, insane, whatever term you want to use. Schizophrenic is a good example. Exactly. Then it's if you hear God's voice, then you're crazy. And I've always been fascinated with how that deciphering takes place of why certain people, when they hear God's voice, they're crazy. And other people, when they hear God's voice, it's completely normal. Is it the content of what the voice is saying? How the voice is spoken to them? I just think it's so fascinating when we get into this idea of God Mm. making God's presence known through signs that are verbal or auditory. Um, So that's what I kind of wanted to explore was, what are your thoughts on hearing God's voice? Have you heard God's voice? Do you feel safe enough sharing an encounter if you've had that? Like, what what do you feel about this? Because I've heard God's voice, but you would all say, well, that's normal. You're a pastor. Would we? But if I heard it before I was a pastor, then some people would say, well, then you're crazy. And that's the thing is I want to know what it is about this whole thing that when do we decipher? When do we don't? Can I hear your story first, Emily, because... About about hearing God's voice? Yeah, because the first thing that comes to mind is like, we... I feel like Christians do a lot of talk about like, I w- was hearing from God this morning in my prayer time or something. And it's like a comparing, like a metaphorical hearing or like you get in the impression of something during prayer or during reading scripture that you just feel so strongly that it like it's given to you by the Holy Spirit. But you are you describing like you you think your ears were actually hearing something like air was moving your eardrums Mm -hmm. and you heard Mm -hmm. a voice. What does this voice Mm -hmm. sound like? Does it sound like Liam Neeson? I've always wondered. No. (laughs) And it doesn't sound like Morgan Freeman either. Bummer. I know. Um. It actually, you know, it's funny that you ask that because it happened when I was very, very young. And a part of me, honest to God, thought I was crazy when it happened. I thought I was going insane or that it shouldn't have been happening. And so I never actually really spoke of it. And a part of me also thinks, well, was it just a time where I was experiencing a spiritual high, you know, because of like where I was at and what was happening? But as I've gotten older and I've reflected on it, it could have happened anywhere and it still would have been the same moment for me. Hmm. Um, The voice was not gendered, like it wasn't super masculine or super feminine. Interesting. It was more androgynous and it wasn't it wasn't a voice that was like booming with this huge you know, aha exclamation. It was merely just a voice saying, take your time. And I didn't. Oh, that's it. Whoa. That's all. Yeah. Just take your time. And that was it. It was like, now decipher that, (laughs) like have fun with it. And I didn't know what to do with that. And Mm. for years, I kind of wrestled with this of God, was it really you speaking why why was this what i heard did mm. i mishear you what is the point of what i heard and i think i'm still learning what it is that that voice was trying to say mm. but even like so far later you still believe it was god of absolutely some, somehow absolutely mm. did i ever tell you guys about the time that i thought i heard god's voice yeah when you thought you were gonna marry a girl yeah, it was the time I thought God was telling me to marry a girl. Yeah. What did the, the voice actually say? Uh, at the time, I felt like I heard very distinctly, this is your future wife. Wow. And I remember like being caught off guard in the moment. I remember like looking up and around, like almost like I thought for a split second someone else had said it, but like no one else was looking around. I felt like I had heard it like auditorily, but like nobody else, like the, there were people sitting next to me and Nobody else was like, hey, did you hear that or something? Mm-hmm. That's so intriguing to me that you also felt like you heard God's voice. Have either of you ever like heard people teach about this? Like, I remember watching a documentary where 
there was a supposedly that the documentary maker had like gone to India and there's this man who like hears God's voice audibly every day. And the bias towards like auditory hearing really intrigues me. Like for instance, Mm -hmm. in your case, Emily, and even in my case, like maybe it was God, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. Yeah. But there was also like nobody else to back up the fact that we heard it through our auditory senses. Like maybe we just experienced it internally. And to me, the the bias towards like auditory processing seems really intriguing. Mm-hmm. Like, why is it that if someone says that they heard auditorily from God, that like that ha- carries a weight to it? Right. Is it because of the Bible or is it because like God is unseen and unheard usually? That, oh, that could that, be yeah, it. Yeah, it's just so fascinating. I OK, so like I've I've described my kind of mystical experience I had like during my oh, prayer yeah. experience. But for me, if I have a moment like that, it's like the same way, like when you're reading a novel and reading dialogue between two characters, mm-hmm. in a way I would describe myself as hearing those characters in my head, but I don't like my mm. ears aren't working, you know? And in my, right. in my experience in that, in that prayer moment, that's what it was. That's what it was like. It was like I was hearing it, but like my ears weren't doing anything. I was in a silent room and like, I'm pretty confident to say that, you know, like, I don't know, Josh, your question about why, why the bias toward auditory. I think I may Mm -hmm. have had an experience once where I was meditating and I just heard like a whisper of my own name. And it was like, it was almost like ASMR whisper with a ton of reverb on it. (laughs) (laughs) Like I do have a memory like that, but I have no idea what that, it was just like, Steven. Steven, Steven, Steven. It was so weird. Um, (laughs) But uh, I think the fascination with the possibility of an auditory word given to you is probably just what you said, Josh, is like it doesn't happen very often. And I don't know if you're taught. And we just don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like if so many like we have people who claim they hear God speaking to them, but we are so quick to dismiss them. But accept mm. others, you know. So is it really as uncommon as we think, or is it because of who it is that's listening and our perspective of said people? Yeah, like I, I think your point about bringing up mental health is really interesting because, like, like there's been so many people and groups of people. Like we talked a little bit on the Colts episode, a little bit, or like uh, I think you mentioned Son of Sam. Mm-hmm. A while back too, like there's so many examples of people who like truly believed they heard God's voice authentically, but then from another person's perspective, those people are crazy or schizophrenic. Yeah. And I think the difference in perspective is really interesting because like we could look at you and like your example of hearing God say, take your time. Like that's so ambiguous. It's so meaningless for other people that mm-hmm. like there's no reason to deny that you experienced God in that right, moment, whether it was right. mystical or whether it was auditory. In my mind, there's no reason to like take that away from you. But for the other people who like feel like they hear God's voice to like cause harm or cause other things to happen to other people, I feel like mm-hmm. that's where we really have to uh, be able to talk about it, right? Yeah. Mm. So what would you say to someone then who thinks that they're hearing from God, but it's affecting other people? Like they truly believe that they need to do something and it's going to affect other people whether or not that thing is violent. Oh, well, I guess one question I would ask, and this could be me wearing my pastor hat or not, would be why you? And not in the sense of like, not in the sense of justifying, but in the sense of like, why do you think God is saying this to you? You know, Hmm. do you think, do you think God tells other people to do this? Because there, there may be some instances where Someone which are, oh, I heard God say this. And maybe someone else is like, oh, you know, I had an encounter where God said something either very similar or word for word. Like it could happen. We really we really don't know. But I think it would be something for us to process of why do why do we think God is saying this? Like, what is the point behind it? Not to prove that you heard it, but just to break it down to understand what it is that's actually taking place. Hmm. Do you think hearing from God in this manner falls under like a spiritual gift. Ooh. I mean, maybe that's how I've heard it taught before. I'm not sure if I agree with it completely anymore, but I kind of hear what you're saying. 
Because the way I was raised was in a Calvinist tradition that was basically like secessionist when it came to Mm -hmm. spiritual gifts. Like the spiritual gifts are over. They were here for a time and now we don't need them because we have the full revelation of Jesus. And, you know, like we also have like podcasts and we can do that broadcast work now. We don't have to like (laughs) have a like tongues of fire Pentecost moment where we can do live Google Translate because we have Google Translate. (laughs) Um. (laughs) That was an actual conversation I had with a youth leader once was literally about Google Translate. Wow. <laughs> not making okay. that up. <laughs> That's interesting. Mm. But uh, I mean, so I, I kind of grew up with like hearing from God or speaking in tongues or even like prophecy being talked about mm-hmm. as as if that time is over and it's done. But now, sure. I don't know. I just feel like our universe is mysterious enough for me to not like I don't want to just write someone off but I do I do hear lessons of my childhood basically saying like okay if someone is feeling like they're hearing from God the test next is to make sure it's confirming something about what we're given in scripture mm. you know mm. and they mostly lean on that passage in revelation that says like if you add to this book you're heaping curses on yourself or whatever basically saying like the bible's buttoned up and if you hear something from God that disagrees, then it's not God, obviously. I remember being taught a while back uh, that, which, um, to be fair to some of my more charismatic friends, um, I actually really appreciated that they would completely agree with that, that you should like mm-hmm. compare it to scripture. But I feel like in yeah. tandem with that, I was also taught from some people that the Bible is the known word of God and the Holy Spirit is the unknown will of God. Ooh, What are your thoughts on that? The known word and the unknown word? Is that what you said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, will. The, uh, the known and will. the unknown will of God. Oh. I mean, I kind of buy that now. I'm kind of into that. Really? I don't think I buy that anymore. Say more. Because like, I think that that conflicts with the idea that you brought up, Stephen, just now about if you think you feel or hear something from God and it's directing you to do something, that then we should compare that to scripture and see if there is some basis for that. To me, that seems more in line with Christian tradition than picking things out of thin air. Mm, Okay. I think there's discernment, though, is a part of that. So if I have members of my church who say they heard God say we should ban all LGBTQ people from our sanctuary, and then they Mm. back it up with scripture that says, see, like a man shall not lie with a man, then am I just supposed to roll over and and say, oh, there you go. Like, it's right there. Absolutely not. I <laughs> mm. I think there is some I think there is some discernment that comes with mm. any of the spiritual gifts and any and I think whether you hear God's voice whether you see a sign visually or you know mentally if you feel moved in some way I think discernment has to be a a step in this process. I also think it's important to acknowledge that for those who have physical limitations whether it's your deaf you're mute, you're blind, that does not mean you're limited to how you experience God's presence. And, mm. you know, I, I think it's really important for us to remember that we are able people, that there are some who have an ableism where they cannot experience some senses in the way that we can. And then that does not diminish their encounter or experience of God in any way. Oh, totally. Mm. Um, I, I guess the example that came to my mind, Josh, about the unknown will is like when modern Christians talk about being a Christian, how that informs their desire for good environmentalism, you know, like combating anthropogenic climate change in some meaningful way, or like let's steer policy or steer, steer the world into a place where we can like be reasonably confident that we'll have a planet hundreds of years in the future. I don't necessarily see that explicitly in the Bible. I mean, I, I suppose just general principles of stewardship and tending the earth out of Genesis can get you there. But I think mm. like the spirit could be leading modern Christians to like put a very fine point on let's care for the environment. Let's care for the earth that we get to walk on every day. You know? Mm. Yeah. I actually, yeah, I agree with that. I think that, to me, that's what seems so meaningful about the like the idea of like catching the vision of Christianity or catching the wind or like the early Christians called the wild goose chase of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. 
I think that that's really applicable. But I think where it breaks down for me is like, if you, the individual, sees the Holy Spirit as the unknown will of God, that's more dangerous than the group seeking God's will for right now, or like like sure. trying to see what God is envisioning today. Like a group of people discerning things is different than a single person mm-hmm. discerning things. I feel like that's where it gets really tricky for me. Like that's uh, where a lot of harm has been done. Because then yeah. you get like new religious movements born out of like right. them insisting because, like, that if a they're person hearing is saying, the like, Well, this is where God is leading me. Yeah. And no one can question that. Okay. And you've like already accepted that as the premise where like, you the individual get to discern things for yourself then like no one can question you then because like that's already been the accepted premise i see right okay i think there's a balance in between where we can still call the the holy spirit in some meaningful way the unknown will of god but like the continually revealed will of god as well like we've even said on past episodes how we Mm. think like progressive revelation is the way god does things and i don't uh, yeah but doesn't that counter your point about like comparing it back to scripture um Maybe. I don't know. Like comparing it back to scripture doesn't necessarily mean like oof. Maybe it's finding root in scripture, not necessarily mm. comparing to scripture. Because we know sure. that scripture is written in a different context, different time in history. Mm. But it can be the basis of discernment and understanding. Plus, if you can track the trajectory of scripture from the beginning mm-hmm. to like the end of Revelation, even tracking that trajectory you may be able to look at scripture with a like a new, you know, yeah. you've heard from God with his voice and now you're comparing it back and saying like, yes, this seems to be in line with the way this is all going, you know, mm-hmm. like this is in the flight I path. feel like a great example to use, at least this is what came to mind for me, is the issue of guns. Like maybe this is oh. more specific to America, but like there were not guns in the time of the Bible, mm. but there were weapons. And so like we can mm-hmm. think about like how the Bible approaches Weapons, weapons and violence mm-hmm. and self-defense and we can like use the bible to sort through the ideas and the vision of what it means to be a christian and relate to those things and then apply that to our modern context and like what do we do with ak's what do we do with whether or not christians should even own guns stuff like that totally totally and we have to like catch the vision catch the holy spirit for then what to do yeah i feel like that's kind of a good example yeah i think there's there's just a balance in there if if you are someone who feels like they're tuning into something of that unknown will of God, then yes, being able to look back at scripture and see that it fits that trajectory, but also saying like, this might be a new way to express what God has always wanted for the earth from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the whole concept of like hearing from God does find root in scripture? Like Moses and the burning bush? That's what I was just thinking. Like, what do we do with that? (laughs) Was Moses crazy? Was, you know, was Moses in the right? Because there are some things that are happening in that whole story that some people wouldn't bat an eye. And some people would say, really? God told Moses to do that? Why? And they question that. Mm. And I think it's valid for us to really understand this idea of God speaking and only Moses able to hear or even how god presented god's self to be heard god didn't present god's self in a human form god spoke through a burning bush god spoke through a thick cloud god spoke through a vessel or an entity of some sort and you know where do we go with that then do we need to have a visual aid with auditory in order to fully understand or to mm. fully accept what is being said or do we need to just have faith in what our senses are interpreting? Cause I don't know about you, but if I was to walk down my street and all of a sudden there's this bush that's burning, but not burning. And it says to me, Hey, take off your sandals. You're walking on holy ground. I would be like, what the F? (laughs) And I don't know what I would do with that. Mm. But we read that story and we go, Oh, yeah, God spoke through a burning bush. Like, we're so comfortable to teach that in Sunday school. But what if that what if that actually took place today? It would be so bizarre, wouldn't it? Do you think that that stuff like that does or can happen still today? Or do you think that that was only in the Old Testament? Who am I to say it can't happen? (laughs) I'm human. Like, I can't limit how God presents God's self. I'm sure there Mm -hmm. are people who have had experiences where they've seen a burning bush 
some in some form in some fashion you know what i'm saying um right where they have heard god's voice through a thick cloud through whatever means at the time like i can't i can't tell people what they've experienced is legit or not but I, we do have to sometimes question really like you heard like you heard god's voice through a dog next door telling you to do all these things huh. hmm, that seems a little convenient you know what i'm saying like that's where do we go with this knowledge where do we go with this information mm-hmm. i've always read stories like that like the burning bush or the uh the pillar of fire at night and the cloud of um you know the the cloud pillar during the day leading the israelites like I've always read those as more metaphorical than probably literal. You know, like if you're trying to describe something that's that's ineffable enough or like, you know, Moses is reporting back and describing his experience or like telling his story of the burning bush, like I, I've heard people exegete these passages as if to say like it was as if the bush was on fire and it wasn't it wasn't being consumed or something, you know, like Mm-hmm. There, there comes a point where language becomes so squishy and non-precise exactly when you want it to be. And that's just kind of, to me, it sounds like describing a, a mystical experience that you can't really like, you can't really put your finger on, but you're, you're going to try and describe what it was like the, with words that can approximate what you felt you experienced with your senses. So what do we do then, you know, with hearing God's voice? through other people. You know, I can't tell you how many people after church on Sunday say, oh, I heard God speaking through you. I was mm. literally speaking. What do we do with that? Does does God present God's self auditorily through the means of a human vessel and therefore then the other means of presence and experience, whether it be the burning bush, pillar of fire, whatever, are metaphorical or or what? I think this God speaking through other humans finds more grounding for me if like Christians are going to believe that humans are made in God's image mm-hmm. and whether that's like consciousness or mm-hmm. like our, our struggle with good and evil to me, it makes a lot more sense to identify that humans can somehow like speak the truth of God in various contexts because mm-hmm. they're made in God's image. To me, that makes a lot more sense than saying like, well, maybe there might be a burning bush today or something like that. I think I agree with you, Stephen, that that was, most likely describing like some sort of mystical experience. Maybe Moses was conscious or not, but the mm-hmm. Bible seems to write as if he was. Right. Or even in my case, but, it was like, it was as if I was standing in what I imagined the tab- tabernacle to look like. And it was as if I was able to touch Jesus and my daughter right. Bonnie, you know, and hold their hands. Yeah. As if was definitely not what my physical body was experiencing, though it is a like a conscious experience that I ha- still have memory, vivid memory of to this day. I do agree with you, Emily, that the part of me that does not want to put God in a box then also concludes that like, well, I don't want to say that God can't speak to people through things. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to limit God. I don't want to say what God can't do. But it's hard for me to like say that and then also recognize that like we have to be careful with teaching people that they can or cannot hear from God. Because right. that's gotten lots of people in trouble before. And that's, I think that that's where my fascination kicks in is because we've had this history of using God's voice and our auditory senses to justify horrible actions. And for other people then, like I said, we wouldn't bat and I'd be like, oh, cool. Like, tell me more about it, you know? And I think that's where... I'm so wrapped up with the idea of discernment being important because mm. who's to say in the future what God would say or who's going to hear? Like, mm. have we all heard God speak and we just ignore it? Maybe we've all had an experience where we have heard God speaking, but we have pushed it aside or we don't question it because there is such a stigma on hearing God's voice. Mm. Like, who's to say? Do you think that? Any of what we can hold in our hands as the Bible today was, in a sense, dictated to the human author through an auditory... Like, do you think God at any time was, like, literally speaking in someone's ear to write down a scripture? 
Oh. Do you think that's a possibility? I don't. I don't think anyone actually believes that. That's, I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. Really interesting. And I don't know. And I said, maybe it's because I'm in talking with some people at my church about this podcast specifically, <laughs> hearing their, like hearing a reader or a listener's interpretation of how we address topics and, you know, just this idea of needing to have concrete or finite answers to everything. And this is one where I don't have like concrete stance either way. I just don't know. It's hard for me to question if God spoke to the writers all those years ago and then to now say, well, it's okay if God's speaking through me or, you know, to prophesize. Um, I don't know where I stand with that. I don't. <laughs> That's a, I need to, I need to wrestle with that mm. a little bit more. Mm. Okay, Stephen, I have a take for you. Bear with me because I'm like just putting this into words for the first time. I think that I think that the auditory bias for us feeling like God speaking auditorily is more important is the same thing as the modern bias towards video proof. Like video evidence is somehow like the best form of evidence mm. for something. Wow. Like that's that's exactly what I hear when I hear people argue on the internet about God speaking directly to the authors of the Bible and therefore like that makes the Bible without error. Like I think whenever people talk about God speaking to them, I think a lot of people use it as like an end all be all. Like this is like there's no trump in that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why people go go to the extreme when it comes to scripture and like some people try to say like no absolutely God for sure controlled every single part of the Bible that was written, like there's no humanity in it. God wrote the entire Bible. Uh. In my mind, that's why, like, it's the same type of bias. At least that's the way I'm looking at it. Does that does that make sense? It totally does. That's, I'm kind of like making that connection mm-hmm. for the first I time. I appreciate that analysis. Uh, mm-hmm. m- my mind immediately goes to how even video evidence, though, can be parsed and can be used for anyone's purposes. Um, oh, yeah. absolutely. Like, it's so, it's even video evidence doesn't exactly give us what we absolutely need. Like, even... In the midst of Derek Chauvin's right. trial right now, like videos again of George Floyd's death, like even the videos can be interpreted by the defense and by the prosecution as exactly what they need it to be. And like, yep, maybe that's so I've, I, oh, maybe we struggle with this so much because our senses are human, like they're human senses, you know, yes, animals and such have senses as well. I'm not that we are we're talking about people here okay we have this ability for discernment we have this ability for questioning and we have our senses for more than just fight or flight more than just survival it's to thrive and i think we are limited on what our senses can do because we're human so video steven you just pointed out can be manipulated can be interpreted differently visually you know that's one thing auditorily i think we can hear differences as well we can decipher and you know do you hear yolo or laurel or whatever those little (laughs) clips are where you might hear one word or you might hear another yanni laurel yeah (laughs) yes i hate those and i think we're just limited on those experiences or even the blue dress black or white dress you know like black and blue white or or gold smell You know, some people, they say when you bite into an onion, it tastes like an apple or some people when they taste something like when I eat. Oh, gosh, what is it? Soapy cilantro is another one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Soapy cilantro. And some people don't. I think those are things that can be manipulated or shifted and it's beyond our understanding. And that's where I think I'm struggling with. Well, who am I to say that these people didn't hear God? Because like I wasn't there and yeah. at the end of the day does it really matter if they did or didn't we have the product that we have now yeah no you're totally right what it, we do with it matters i think that's the key for me it kind of reveals a bias for materialism you know like mm-hmm. if you can mm-hmm. reduce it down you know like if you can simmer off every all the other stuff and if you only like if you can tie it to one of the five senses then it must have been at least a true experience for the experiencer but yeah, like, the, I don't know. I 
you know, in, in a world where I believe that the spiritual is real, then like you, you have a lot less ground to stand on at that point. Cause you're like, I don't, I don't know. Like, even if the five right. senses weren't like, these are the only five we can name. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, it's very weird. We're going to take a quick break to say a few thank yous. Then we'll be back to our conversation. Thank you to our generous patrons for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Y'all are such a huge encouragement to us. If you'd like to support future episodes of Ravel, visit patreon.com slash Ravelpod or by tapping the link in the show notes. Thank you to everyone who is giving five-star ratings and thoughtful reviews on Apple Podcasts and to everyone who contributes to our weekly discussions at Ravelpod on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, much love to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music in full color. And thank you to the Highline Media Network for having us as one of their founding podcasts. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, The Whiskey Bench. Kind of mechanical approach. Right. It feels cold, right? Oh, that's a good one. Whereas Rousseau does feel warmer. Yes. And more romantic. And, and I can completely appreciate that. And I think that there's a lot of value in like, in tapping into and listening to human emotion. There's kind of like a depth of knowledge that doesn't speak the same language mm, as kind yeah. of cold, economic, practical thinking. Right. But I think the two can be married really well. Yeah. And now back to our conversation. Emily, I like that you keep bringing it back to like what matters is the end product or like the the function or like what happens after the fact. Mm-hmm. I think that that's really key. Like uh, going back to the Bible example for a second, I think that what people are really trying to get at when they say that God spoke directly to the authors and they wrote it down word for word, I think that what they're really trying to get at, the end product, the function, whatever you want to call it, what they're trying to get at next as a product of that is it's true. Mm-hmm. That was my sermon today. Oh, whoa, no way. That's so okay. Yeah. So from the lectionary, it's the story of doubting Thomas. Ugh, I hate that. He wasn't doubting. And that's exactly what my sermon was about is it was not about Jesus proving Jesus self, you know, by saying here, Thomas, like touch my side, touch my hand. It was Jesus was showing what the end product is and what like what will come after that. And so I tied it back to it's more than just seeing an empty tomb. It's knowing that there's victory over death. It's more than just Jesus appearing to the disciples. It's Jesus showing that there's shepherding and paracletes still present, that there's always going to be a guide. And for Thomas, it wasn't about, oh, here, you need to have all this physical, tangible proof. It was you're solidifying this claim that you are making that I am Lord and God, that like I am now complete as God Mm -hmm. in Jesus. And it was this revelation of we don't need to have proof to have faith. And that's, I think, where this whole idea of hearing God's voice or seeing God's presence or whatever the case may be, it's all grounded in faith for me. And maybe it's because I'm a pastor, but like, I don't need to have proof. Like, that's what faith is. Like, you don't need proof. So if someone were to say, I heard God speaking, yeah, I want to hear about it. And I want to kind of understand it better because it's not my experience. But I'm not going to say whether or not it's valid or if it's worth listening to or not worth listening to or if it doesn't even matter or not. Because Mm. the fact that it even happened just shows that God is working in ways that go beyond my mm. human understanding. Okay. So, uh, oh, oh, go uh, ahead, Josh. Okay. Well, it sounds like we both have things to say. I have, I have, I have a thought. Do you have a thought, Stephen? I have a segue question. No, you go first. I feel very comfortable. I mean, I've never done this, so I guess take that as you will. But I feel very <laughs> comfortable saying that someone did not hear from God if they think God told them to cause harm to people. Oh, They absolutely yeah. did not hear from God. So, like... But there has to be other examples of that, too. Like, is it only harm? Is it only violence? Is it only when it's affecting other people? Like, if the president, whoever the president is, I'm not naming presidents, but like, if whoever the president is, is like, God is telling us to do this thing as a country, or like, God is telling us to go to war, because that's been used before, 
Mm-hmm. Like, where is the line? Because it's somewhere. That's where discernment comes Violence in. Violence is just the most obvious one. It's discernment for what is life-giving. If I'm going to use Emily's... Because, Fill in your bingo because would, card. Because be, would our God ever direct anyone ever to do something that was not life-giving? Well, that's the debate, right? Like, people have disagreed about that. Oh, I mean, do, do the three of us disagree, though? I don't think we do. <laughs> No, probably not. Like, no, which is don't. exactly why I feel comfortable saying God did not tell the Israelites to go slaughter all the Canaanites. Like that was the Israelites mm-hmm. looking for a divine reason to go take the land they wanted. Mm, that brings up a good point is claiming we heard God's voice for bettering ourselves or to fulfill a purpose that we have intended. Which I think is exactly Ugh. what Josh is getting at is like if they yeah. maybe they did actually have an experience that said like, yes, you should go bomb the f- out of Iraq like <laughs> oh my gosh but would God F-bomb actually who? say that no I don't think I I feel pretty confident saying God would not say that take that Josh <laughs> no I think I just proved Josh's point <laughs> is there anywhere in the Bible where God is depicted as speaking and it does not happen or like people don't take it seriously other than Jonah Jonah oh, just came to mind out of my as mouth. I was saying Jonah. that Dang it. <laughs> Although the, the Canaanite conquest might be also a good example because I've heard some commenter, some commentators mention that just because God is depicted as saying it, there's like no archaeological evidence of anything like that happening. That's like, true. There's no evidence that they yeah. did go kill all the babies. That's true. But the, the language given to us in the Pentateuch about the Canaanite conquest was actually used to justify like the Crusades and stuff. Mm-hmm. So totally. Like, even if the the end product ended up being not great, even if the Canaanite conquest, mm. as it's like yeah. given to us in a pseudo historical context, is given to us in the Old Testament, which you know kind of brings mm, us true. back to that like you know the end product still didn't end up very good. But I, th- it's also a good time to bring up like Greg Boyd's uh, great concept of like accommodationism you know like god mm-hmm. god is like okay I oh mean, yeah you're gonna say i said that but like one day i'm gonna reveal that definitely wasn't me that was just someone who was power hungry mm-hmm. and i still so then how do we really know god's voice i mean is it as easy as saying like maybe the compare it to scripture and discern what is life-giving maybe that is the test but what's life-giving for some may not be life-giving for others like i've said that before too that's where it gets tricky. Fair. Because I would argue the majority would say it's life-giving that they remain the majority and those in minority would be like, um, yeah, no, that's not really life-giving for us, though. <laughs> anyone that's part of the isms, anyone that's part of the non-majority, they are not, they do not hear it in life-giving ways as we would hmm. or those who are considered in power or the majority. So... You know, they hear God's voice in ways that we may not understand, and we hear God's voice in ways that they may not understand. Like, that's where it gets so tricky. And True. I just, oh, I don't know. Yeah. My mind is, my mind is to like Jesus and the Pharisees now, because like the Pharisees definitely thought they had like their finger on the pulse of what God was trying to teach first century Jews. And Jesus was like, and here comes Jesus. No, 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 no. I have other ideas. <laughs> and in that case, it's pretty easy for us to read the gospels and be like, yeah, no, Jesus was on the, on the path. He was on the trajectory, like bringing us a progressive revelation of what God has always been like, but we just haven't known it yet until we encounter the embodied Christ in Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know? So, okay. How would you, I don't know. The test is still there though. Like compare it to scripture, like see where it lies on this, on this trajectory of like God's ultimate vision for, new heavens, new earth, new city for us all to live together in. And maybe life-giving isn't the right test then, because if if we're going to, like, we do get to come back to, yes, it is true for some and not true for others. But, and it's not even the most. How would you do that? Gosh. Okay, but maybe we're still talking about two different things. Okay. Like, maybe there is the, like, catching the vision, catching the wind, the spirit, like, seeing where the trajectory of Christianity is leading us. Maybe that's one thing. But mm-hmm. maybe to go back to like a, Emily's original question about like, what do you do with people or yourself when you feel like you are auditorily experiencing the divine? 
Like, I think maybe those two are separate things. Like, maybe some people, like, do those together. Like, we're literally going to listen for God's voice in what mm-hmm. to do right now. I appreciate that refocus. But maybe those are two different yeah. things that we should make a distinction. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. So the the, the question are is... Are Christians the only ones oh. concerned with this? Oh. Like, do people run into this problem in Islam or in Hinduism or... That's a good question. Other things... My extremely uneducated take that could be 100% wrong, recognizing that at the beginning, but like, I think my, I think of traditions that, that specifically have offices kind of set up to do that. You know, like the Mormons have their prophet and the Catholics have the Pope and those are the, you know, their teaching says that that's the guy who hears from God and that's why they have like papal authority or, you know, in the LDS church, the prophet can like literally change church doctrine based on what he hears or what he's inspired to. So like those are a couple, which in some cases has just been like reading the room, right? (laughs) Totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. (laughs) Like, I guess my question is like, are we only so obsessed with it? Because like the God we believe in, uh, for the most part is the unseen, the unheard God, the, the God above all the God, the creator of the universe, that in general, we do not experience through our senses. Hmm. Is that why we're so obsessed with it? And if so, like then I would expect other religions to also be concer- at least concerned. Well, I know. So there are there is the concept of, of jinns where they are entities that speak to people or manipulate people into doing things good or bad. Hmm. Um, so if they are, you know, verbally speaking into their ear. That may be one thing. I think it's like for us, the prophets, like, uh, you know, like we've said before, speaking through people, hearing God's voice, but you're hearing it through my, you know, so I'm speaking right now, but God is speaking through me, but sounds like me hmm. or you or you or whomever. I, it is a weird fascination that I have, though. And I just don't know what to do with it. How far do you believe, Emily, that God will take that, like, allowing himself to be spoken into the world by humans and maybe even non-humans. Like what's, what's your opinion of like God manifesting himself, maybe auditorially, maybe through other senses through other creatures or even creation itself. Yes. (laughs) A blanket. Yes. (laughs) Again, and maybe it's because I don't want to put God in a box. I think there's, I think there's something to be said about a God that interacts with us Mm. Yeah. In ways that are deep and meaningful. And I think part of that, and maybe it's this longing for, this yearning for, but I I would want and I would hope that God would speak to us verbally. I would hope that God speaks to us through creation, through each other. And it's something that we can experience with our senses. But I think we have to be willing to listen, interpret see taste smell whatever and discern with that i think it's a process that we are going to experience on and off in some ways it's concrete in some ways it's not Hmm. but it can still be a part of us i just don't see how god would want to be in relationship with us but then the only way to communicate would be through prayer i just don't see that being a limit for me oh okay so i grew up saying we talk to god with prayer and we hear from god with bible I think it, I think I think it goes deeper than that. I think there's more to it. I think that's a part of it. Okay. But I think there's got there's more to it. Mm, yeah, totally. Um I just like looked up the Wikipedia article for this. It's called Theophany, which means like the appearance mm. of a deity. Mm-hmm. And uh to be honest, there's like way too much to dive into. So maybe we should like have a link for that. <laughs> there um, you go. Theophany. But Emily, as you were talking, you made me think of what I've been really thinking about lately, and I thought I was going to like bring this as an episode, but like here we are. What about beauty? Is beauty mm. the like closest form of God speaking to us and like the, the closest experience we can experience of the divine that we can come to, whether it's natural beauty or something that we created like art or architecture or a relationship? Mm. Like is beauty the way that God speaks to us? Oh, I, I want to say yes, but I kind of want to rebuttal that just for the sake oh, of argument. Oh, okay. Please I, do. I, I totally agree. But I think that's an interpretation. Some people would interpret birth as a beautiful thing, and others would say, uh, hell no, that's weird. 
I, well, why I doesn't that I, speak to God speaking to that person subjectively in the moment? Doesn't that uphold that idea? Yes. Oh, that's true. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Same thing with God speaking. That's true. I'm into that, Josh. I'm really into it. Oh, you guys that's ready? That's what I'm saying. I really do agree with you, but I just wanted to try to rebuttal. Okay, so, work, so. <laughs> I'm reading The Divine Dance by Richard Rohr. There it is. Um, <gasps> Put it on your bingo card. And he was actually, he was actually just talking about how the like the cosmic Christ, the Christ energy that like first revealed itself to us through creation itself. Like that was the first incarnation. The second incarnation was Jesus of Nazareth that we call Jesus Christ. He was talking about how Christ will manifest uh, to us in the divine dance with both an action that brings Christ nearer to us. And that's what he tied to beauty where beauty is like, the veil gets thinner between us and like a real experience of the divine in Christ, like through what you're experiencing beauty from. And I was listening to a podcast of his a while ago called another name for everything. And he was talking with his hosts and he got interrupted because his dog came up, like his puppy came up and licked his hand while he was recording. And like, he, he just like burst out laughing and he just told his host, like, oh, forgive me. I got interrupted. I was so distracted by my puppy blessing me with holy water with like with Aww. its kiss. And OK, that's funny. I kid you not, you guys. I was I was making a salad when I was listening to this podcast. I was cutting up a tomato. And as soon as he said holy water, like I just like became mindful of how wet my hands were from like chopping the tomato. And it was another one of those like it feels like a really silly thing to call a mystical experience. But like. I, my hands and my arms like literally tingled and I was like, whoa, like holy water is everywhere. And it was just like, that's funny. I, it was just one of those things that. like it was just one of those like the veil got so thin between me and Christ and beauty was the way Christ mm. manifested itself to us. He also talks about in the book, though, how in a dance there's a withdrawing action and how Christ will mm. manifest God's self to us through suffering. And that is what he interprets as like the withdrawal stage mm. of like, you know, you're, you're waltzing around a room. There's always going to be a, a moment where one of you steps away from another. And that's just part of the dance. And we have to get used to that. And we actually have to like look for suffering and like lean into suffering as a way to encounter God more deeply. What do you think about mm. that? That's a lot. That is a lot. I think that that's kind of a good example of, uh, searching for God or searching for God's voice in the absence or in the suffering or in the waiting. Like the Bible talks about that quite a bit, I think. And so maybe with that, maybe that's not a completely foreign idea. Yeah, no, I would agree. You know, God wasn't in the storm. God was found in the stillness and the silence, the aftermath. You know, it's Mm. that awkward moment, the in-between. You know, I think we as people, at least I can speak for myself, we are busy. We are constantly looking or needing to justify or ready to move forward very quickly that we don't Mm. take the time to actually Mm. be still and to know we don't take the time to just be in the silence or to be present in the beauty around us and to really take in what is happening what is going on around us you know I would find times where I was sitting in my backyard here at the parsonage and I would hear a bird and I'm like, oh, it's so lovely in nature. And then there would be no birds and it would just be quiet. And a part of me would be like, this is so awkward. But a part of me would also be wanting that that silence to just continue because it Mm -hmm. was something that was different that I was experiencing. It wasn't hustle bustle. It wasn't, you know, car horns honking. It wasn't kids laughing in the street. It wasn't my dog barking. It wasn't the wind blowing. It was just stillness and maybe god makes god's self known in those moments but we're so Mm. quick to go past it we're so Mm. quick to move forward in life do you ever have those moments in the before times when we could go to restaurants and stuff and like you're sitting with your friends you're hanging out and like there's a couple in a table next to you and they're being like completely quiet they're not on their phones they don't look awkward but they haven't said a word in like 20 or 30 minutes do you know that, have you that's Alex you, and I totally and like my my parents when I was growing up they were like find someone to marry that you can be totally quiet and totally okay with mm-hmm. like sometimes the silence is a 
just the perfect expression of the love you have for each other. You don't constantly have to fill it with conversation. You don't constantly have to fill it with like showing each other memes or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes you can just be silent and that's okay. So like to bring it all the way back to your hearing God's voice question, Emily, like I feel like the three of us are comfortable with it could happen. It might happen. And that there's a discerning process to make sure that it is something that forwards God's like ultimate vision for the mm-hmm. kingdom, if we're going to put it in that language. Um, do you guys pray to hear God's voice? I used to all the time. Mm. All the time. I don't anymore. Um, when I like conversationally pray, it's usually just me speaking. I don't remember the last time I prayed to hear God's voice. I think I've prayed for like direction or like discernment, like what you were saying, Emily, like that God would somehow guide me through something. But I haven't... Um, I haven't prayed to hear God's voice in a very long time or what seems like a long time to me. I feel like if I do pray to hear God's voice, I know that it doesn't have to be instantaneous. Like I'm okay with, you know, asking for discernment or, you know, hoping to hear God's voice, but I don't expect it to happen in that particular moment or in a particular way that I'm Mm. okay with waiting and the longing for hearing God's voice. But I don't pray like that often, but if I do, just being comfortable with that time in between. Did you guys ever go treasure hunting? Excuse me? <laughs> oh, are you familiar with what Bethel Church of Redding, California and many other groups call treasure hunting? Oh, I've no. heard of it. <gasps> I have, I've heard of it. I really don't know much about it. Oh, but my gosh. I just like forget that like my experience of Christianity has been different than you guys sometimes. I just like I've assume that you it. know all of the things that I know about. You know what they say about assuming, Josh. I know that feeling. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I used to do this a lot. I got introduced to it uh, at the Holy Spirit conference that I grew up going to. Um, We would do this sometimes in ministry school. And I'd also done it uh, sometimes back in Billings with friends. The basic premise is like you listen, quote unquote, for God's voice. But God's voice is giving you only a specific image or word. You like listen for very small things. The way I heard it explained was like, Paul says that we have been given the mind of Christ. So the idea is to listen for what God is thinking about. And if God has given us his mind, then it makes sense that we could think about the same thing. So even if we like think that it is only our thoughts, we should assume it is God's thoughts because we asked to hear God's thoughts. And so if we like have a thought, mm. why wouldn't it be God's? Which is, uh, I'm I'm not sure that's logically sound, but like... Let's see what they were getting at. So the premise is to like listen for things like pink shirt or like you get an image of a unicorn or like something like anything. And like whatever Mm -hmm. it is, whatever comes to mind, anything, literally anything, you write it down and then you just go from there. Like maybe one of the words or like the things you saw in your mind's eye was Walmart. And so you like use that as a clue and like you, you like have this list of clues, quote unquote, that you have heard from God allegedly interesting and you just like go and try to like find these people to encounter to pray for to like whatever like whatever god has for you and so it's a very uh it's a very piecemeal like you piece it together on the spot i'm not quite Mm. sure how to feel about it because on one hand i don't want to limit god i don't want to say like god can't use something but i also don't really know how to feel about stuff like that now having done that plenty of times what on earth is the purpose of this like what's the end goal is it just like a youth group game uh the end goal i think for a lot of individuals is to a practice hearing from god b to genuinely encounter people and pray for people that like maybe god wants to bless in that moment uh c i think that from an organizational point of view i think that it just serves as a form of outreach yeah yeah it's a really weird marketing Yeah. So like pray for people who God might want to bless is like you saw a pink shirt and then you see a guy wearing a pink shirt and then you're like, can we pray for you? We are on a treasure. Yeah, hunt. literally just that. Really? Wow. Uh, just this uh, just this weekend at my uh, place of employment, um, we had a big group of people come through and uh, I was like making small talk with them. <laughs> and I was like, well, so uh, you guys just visiting? He's like, oh, yeah, we're from Reading. Uh, we're just up here to talk to people about Jesus. And immediately my mind was like, well, I know exactly where you're from. I have a pretty good idea of what you're going to do here. <laughs> like they're going to do stuff like that. 
You should oh, you should get so them to go talk to your uh, bullhorn preacher guy on Pike Place. Yes, <laughs> that would be exciting. That would be exciting. Um, but actually, that's a good point. Like, I think some people do use it as a type of soft evangelism, like mm, like absolutely. with an open hand, maybe. Like, not we're gonna we're not gonna try to convert you on the spot, but like we want you to ask us to. Super cynical Ooh. Steven hears this and it's just like, okay, so Bethel is training all their recruits to tune their confirmation bias to literally anything and then mm-hmm. tell them that they are hearing the same voice so that if the leadership says, we heard God speak, they're like, oh, I've had an experience of God giving me pink shirt and I went and found pink shirt. And then Ooh. everyone is just like, oh, I guess we just trust Bethel leadership now. I think that's another good function of it, actually. I didn't even think about that one. It's almost, it's, yeah, it's like, it's conditioning Mm -hmm. in a way, if I'm honest. That's what it sounds like. To be fair, earlier you brought up, like, the Pope or the president of the Mormon church. Like, that happens in lots of denominations. This is true. This is true. So, what do you make sense of this now just to to (laughs) see it, just to be a part of it? Everyone should treasure hunt one. It's like the spiritual uh, corollary to, like, bigger and better. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's that's oh, what literally, i was yeah. thinking oh that's so funny my girlfriend brought up this date idea that she found uh where you like pick a color and you like just follow that color like wherever you see it and you just like let it lead you wherever like whether it's someone's shirt or someone's car or like you see it somewhere at like a baseball game and you just like keep following it and you like treat it like it's a like your spies and you're just like always looking for the next clue like i think you're totally right steven that there's these like effects, there's these biases that we can just attune ourselves to and it feels so real. Like you can mm-hmm. you can make it feel like someone is leaving clues for you to follow. Like whether you're hearing God's voice or whether you are struggling with mental yeah. health in some ways. And I think it's I think it can be really difficult to discern sometimes. I agree. So what do you guys do with Paul saying something like, You have been given the mind of Christ, or like the whole new man theology? Mm. how do you make sense of that then i have been reading it recently in terms of christ has given us his mind to like to rise above like either black or white or like dualism in a way like there's not always good and bad sometimes it just is Mm -hmm. and like a way to discern in a i don't know life-giving way (laughs) where the divine is taking us is kind of what i think of it as the mind of Christ allows us to tune in to what what would be the best way to see this world flourish and see, yeah, like a holy future in a way. I'm on board with Stephen. Like looking towards hope kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Maybe that is just another way to say like God has given you faith that you can actually hold on to. What do you think, Josh? What do you think about that phrase? I think that makes sense to me, especially in the 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 mind of God or the mind of Christ being somehow a part of us, but somehow not a part of us. Like if it's something that we've been given, it was something that we didn't have before. It's almost like something that we embody together then. Like we're all looking forward towards hope. Like like we're all trying to find Christ in whatever circumstances we're in and also in our future circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been reading about um, Julian of Norwich recently oh yes good for you steven maybe a really succinct way to say like what i bumbled through just now was i think the mind of christ is just what gives us the sense of all is well all is well and all manner of things will be well oh amen that's a vague enough thing that i can get behind god saying (laughs) (laughs) i think i really emily i really like where you started with this and we like didn't really dive down this hole but I think sometimes we do need to talk about cult leaders hearing from God. Oh, that's, like a, that's fun. We stayed pretty broad in this discussion, and that's like a whole nother issue, I think. Absolutely. This is kind of the positive side. I think we've wrapped on the positive yeah, side of hearing from God. Positive. I like it. I'm positive Polly. What can I say? I'm into it. Yeah, maybe we should leave it there. Do you guys have any final thoughts? Any comments, thank, concerns, questions? Thank you for diving into this topic with me. Um, oh, yeah. I think it's great as a as someone who has the joy of in their profession hearing people's perspectives and interpretations and this being a topic that I wish was brought up more. I'm really glad that this is a space where I can do that. 
Uh, and for future listeners who go to Cody United Methodist Church, if you have questions about this, let's go get coffee at Rawhide and let's dive into this because Whoa. it's. I think it's important for us to have these conversations and to really question and explore these ideas. I think if we focus too narrowly or don't have these conversations, then it's just a part of our faith journey that we're missing out on. And yeah, I think it's just great to have these conversations. Also, if you disagree with me, um, let's go get coffee at Yellowstone's uh, Zone of Death and see what God has to say over there. Um, Whoa. It's good to talk to you guys about this. Emily, uh, in your professional opinion, you're the only one who gets paid to hear from God in this current time. Uh, What do you think God is saying for us as we exit out of this? Wow. You know, one of the things I'm hearing right now is this idea of discernment and process knowing that God can, may, or may not speak to us in ways that are beyond our understanding or even in the simplest forms of silence and beauty. Hearing, speaking, feeling are gifts that we get to experience each and every day, and God is present in those moments with us. So let's enjoy it while we can. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. Every episode, we pair a new and delicious cocktail with a roundtable discussion about philosophy, politics, or current events. Whether we're tackling the January 6th Capitol riots or Twitter's censorship faux pas, we aim to look past the simple answers and discuss the complexity of our world. Or we discuss the unanswerable philosophical questions like if mankind is fundamentally good or evil. And I discover I might be a communist. So follow the Whiskey Bench if you're into questions like these. Highline Media Network, normal people in normal places.